Hey, welcome back to Software Social. This episode is brought to you by Translate CI. Translate CI is a tool for developers that helps you localize applications with high quality human translations. It supports over 70 language pair. Translate CI eliminates the need to work out of spreadsheets, hire translators, and manually merge language files. Instead, with Translate CI, you just use Git. Just connect your Git repo and Translate CI will pull out phrases and after a professional translator translates everything, they will merge into your existing code base with a pull request. And every time you push code to your Git repository, Translate CI will pull any new phrases out, translate them, and create a PR back. See how you can turn translation from a hassle into a breeze at translateci.com. Hey, welcome back to Software Social. This week, I uh, have someone joining me who probably needs no introduction, but I will give one anyway. Arvid Call. you probably know him from Twitter or his book, Zero to Salt, about exiting the company he co-founded, Feedback Panda, or his book, The Embedded Entrepreneur, or perhaps his new Twitter course called Find Your Following, or perhaps his blog, <laughs> or perhaps his podcast. So welcome to Software Social, everyone's favorite German-Canadian entrepreneur. Oh, thanks so much. I really need to stop making products so that we can keep these introductions <laughs> a bit shorter. Oh, that's because funny. It's a problem, right? Like it's an addiction. It is like making things. That's when you just have to have really short names for everything you do so you can list them easier. But yeah, it, it is an addiction. Honestly, like I was trying to, to have a couple months of not doing anything after I released my second book just in the middle of, of 2020. And, and then I just felt I really want to continue doing stuff. And, and this January, I, I just dove into it. Like January 1st, I started writing. January 31st, I released a course because I really just wanted to get something done. I didn't have to. Like I, I have my life plan is to do one thing a year, like one product a year, right? Just so I can focus my attention and do the things that I want to do. And turns out that this has now shrunk into one thing every six months not intentionally it just happened because I, I didn't want to spend like nine or 11 months in the year not doing anything so it kind of you know like you, you get drawn back to work when work is so enjoyable and it's done in the community which is like everybody's always interacting with me about the stuff that I love so it's hard to not do things for them you know, so that that's why the list is growing and growing. And I, I do appreciate you mentioning all the things because it just shows me how much I've actually done in the last couple of years. So thank you. You really are someone who has found their following and found their community. So perhaps that's a good place to start is with mm -hmm. Twitter. We're actually running a survey of our listeners right now hmm. because, you know, we've got more advertisers interested in us who aren't, you know, other sort of indie companies and those advertisers want to know demographics and stuff like that. And so mm -hmm. we're doing this little survey that people can go on Twitter um, to find the link to. It's our pin tweet. And one of the responses to that was somebody was hoping that we could talk a little bit about using Twitter effectively as an mm -hmm. entrepreneur. And this just happens to be the entire topic <laughs> of your new course. That's right. Conveniently. Yeah. But yeah, it, 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 I kind of fell into it, gotta say. Like, I've, I've been using Twitter for over a decade now, really, because I'm a tech person. I was a software engineer back in 2008 and nine already, because I've always 
been doing software stuff. And Twitter was one of those things that people who knew what they were doing were using. So I was using it back in 2008 and nine, and ever since then, but I was never using it professionally. I was always using it just as a person lurking around and looking at stuff and reading and finding stuff interesting, following a couple people here or there, not too intentionally, just kind of whoever came on my radar was the person I would then follow. And that showed because I think uh, back in 2019, just after we had sold Feedback Panda, and f- for that story, I think people can go back to episode, I forgot, but with Danielle, right? My my co-founder and, yeah, and partner. Yeah, that was last, I guess that would have been, it's a December 2020 episode where, yeah, we yeah. had your co-founder and partner Danielle on. That was a whole thing, right? That really occupied us for two years. But once that was over, once we actually sold the company, exited, and then had nothing to do, I, I kind of thought, okay, now I'm on Twitter. I have my 400 followers that I've painfully accumulated over, at that point, must have been like 10 years of doing nothing on Twitter. How can I leverage this? How can I leverage the the community that that I'm already in, my personal experience as a software entrepreneur and as somebody who can now teach the things that I have learned? And then I started doing it more professionally. I I kind of just figured it out. Like almost everything, every entrepreneur all day is just figuring things out as they fall into your path, right? And then I learn how to communicate with people more effectively and in a way that builds relationships. And it's not just me watching somebody do something, but actually engaging with them and then building, building a following, building an audience, whatever you want to call it, just like gathering people around you, around a common cause, around a common topic of interest. So yeah, I was really not using Twitter effectively because I didn't care or I didn't really know. I, I don't think I, I knew how and that Twitter could be used in in a way that I could then leverage in a more professional sense. So I was really just like following random people. I was not following intentionally. I was uh, engaging with people when I thought I had something um, really, really cool to say and not in any other situation. (laughs) I was less responsive. I I didn't really tweet ever. I I just, you know, I I used Twitter like a person that didn't really know how to use Twitter efficiently. And, And that's fine, I guess, because most people don't. And everybody has a different reason why they come to Twitter. That's one of the first things that I went into for the course because I was thinking, hey, I'm going to make a course for people who want to use Twitter professionally. What do they need to know right from the start? And and the two things uh, that I figured out in my reflection on this, I actually, I, I didn't just make a course. I wrote 42,000 words of a script mm-hmm. and then narrated that through a teleprompter into a camera. Essentially, that's what my course is because that's how I, I'm, I'm best. I write first and then I record either for my podcast and, or now for this course. So I, I really wrote it all out and and edited it myself and thought about it. And I figured out the two main things you need to know is why I am I on Twitter as the person who wants to build an audience and why are the people that I want to be in my audience on Twitter as well. And then you need to bridge these two things, right? Like if you're a software engineer and you really want to build a blog so that your future employers uh, can see how cool you are and you want to be on, on Twitter so you can build a little audience around yourself so that you can get into, I don't know, Google or any other cool startup. Well, then you need to know why you are special, what you can bring to the table and what the people that you want to see your stuff come to Twitter for so you can provide it to them. Or if you want to build a community around a particular social issue, you need to understand what is your approach that makes you interesting and why do people who who are also interested in that issue, why are they on Twitter? What are they talking about and where are they? And that you need to figure out first because all this 
the stuff that you find in, in, in Twitter advice is very marketing, very salesy. And how do I get people to follow me so that I can sell them something? And that is fine. You can build a Twitter audience to sell people something. That's fine. Monetizing is okay. It's legal. We can do this. That's okay. But you, you still have to be on Twitter for a reason for people to follow you as a person, not just as a brand, not just as uh, somebody who has a cool product, but as a person that they want to engage with. Because that relationship is so much more important than any transaction you could potentially have. And and that's what I figured out at some point. People aren't on Twitter because they want to be friends with Coca-Cola. They are on Twitter because they want to be friends with their peers, people who are doing the exact same thing they're doing, or they are just a, a bit ahead of them on their journey, or just a bit behind them on their journey. They just want to connect with people. And once you figure out that this is what people want, you learn how they connect with people, and then you can provide things, opportunities for them to actually connect with you. And that's what, why the course exists, because I figured this out for myself. I did it in public for two years. I've been building all my stuff in public because I find that very interesting to give people a kind of glimpse into the journey. And that resonated so much with an audience that it grew to, yeah, must be 50,000 by now. So that, that works for me. And I'm sharing the path that worked for me and that I see working for other people who are doing this. Like Noah Bragg, right? Amazing builder in public. He's building Potion, his little Notion to static website tool in public. Every day, there's something really cool out there. We have Matt Wensing, who you had on the show, who's building Summit, amazing tool in a totally different kind of SaaS space, right? Financial projection and prediction. And he's so good at building in public. Everything he does on Twitter is kind of... It's a smart thing. It's related to, to businesses. It's sometimes not. It doesn't seem related to his product, but it kind of is. And like he knows what he's doing and he's doing it so well. There are so many great examples out there. And I kind of pulled them all together for other people to find. And, and that's why I made this course, right? That's really why, why I'm doing this. But course aside, I'm just super interested in those people in what they do and how you can leverage Twitter to teach. Yeah. So let's do a hypothetical. Let's say that I am a developer with a side project that does not have any customers and I have 15 followers on Twitter and I tweet three times a week and they're mostly interesting articles that I find on Hacker News. What are five things that I should do to grow my following and get some customers for my side project. The first thing is stop tweeting into a void because the, the fact that you have so few followers means that whenever you tweet, when you write a tweet and send it on Twitter, barely anybody will read it. Like you, you can be pretty sure that only one in 10 of your followers will ever get to see anything you do. That's just how Twitter's algorithm works, right? You, you, you would think you tweet and they all see it at some point in their timeline. That's not the case. Most people won't even get it into their timeline. And most of the people who do will scroll over it because somebody else that they find more interesting has something else to say that they that resonates more with them. So it's super tough for somebody with no audience to just tweet and hope that they grow an audience from that. Doesn't work. What does work is engaging with people where they're already having conversations. It's like if you go to a so party. Like replying. Yeah, essentially. So I don't it's, it's, tweet myself, but reply to other people. Yeah, contribute to something. Like with all things in human communication, standing there on your little soapbox and yelling into you know, the park that you're standing in will only make people think you're kind of weird. 
If you go to a party <laughs> and you stand in the middle of the room and you just start talking about the things you like to nobody in particular, you will not attract people. Like people will stay clear of you. But if you join a conversation where three or four people have gathered and they're already talking about an interesting topic that you, you just listen for a couple seconds, maybe a couple minutes, and then you have something that you can actually meaningfully contribute, that will make you interesting, right? That's the perfect example. Like if you go to a group of people and you listen for a second and then you adjust what you have to say to fit into their ongoing conversation, they will look at you, invite you into the group, and now you're one of them. And that is essentially what Twitter is all about. You join conversations, you join communities, you establish yourself as a contributor to this community by just replying to people with your ideas. Maybe those three links that you've been posting about are something interesting that somebody else could learn something from in an ongoing conversation about a similar topic. And you bring it to that conversation instead of just tweeting it into the void. That is the most important thing. Step one, don't tweet into the void, but reply to existing conversations. Yeah, and, and that kind of engagement, that's what I kind of call it on, on Twitter. It's to engage with people. That can take many shapes. That can be a nice reply where you add something that you know. It could just be a question. It could be, okay, can you clarify this? I didn't understand that part. And then you you get an, another conversation going. You get an interaction with the actual person that tweeted. So now you have some sort of starting to kindle a relationship, a connection with that person by showing interest in their conversation. Or you can invite somebody who you know could benefit from being exposed to this conversation, another expert on Twitter, into the conversation. Or you could disseminate the conversation out by just retweeting it to your admittedly low follower account, but you would still maybe in invite a couple more people. There are so many ways to engage with a conversation other than just replying. And you don't want to turn into this kind of reply guy person that just replies all the time. To, to try and get into the buzz of the conversation. So just like spread it out. There's many different ways of giving meaning and adding something to an ongoing conversation somewhere. And that brings me to a second point, because that is something that you can do when you're exposed to these conversations, right? You have to see them happening to be able to engage with them. And that kind of has a prerequisite, and that is following the right people. So if you don't, don't know really where to source these interesting conversations, that you want to join, you have to start with exploring your space and following those influential kind of, you would call them influencers or, or nexus communicators or community leaders, or whatever you want to call them, people who kind of control or at least very strongly influence the conversations in a particular field. In our space, that would be people like Cortland Allen, who hosts a Indie Hackers podcast, right? People who are super exposed to so many, many people. Or Rob Walling, who hosts a startup Startups for the Rest of Us. And you're kind of probably starting to understand that podcast hosts are really interesting people to follow on Twitter because they're connected to everybody. They're part of every conversation. You, Michelle, you are one of these people now. If you follow you, you, I get exposed to so many new people. And if people follow me, they will also get exposed to so many people. Like th There are certain people in any community that once you follow them, you will be part or you at least will see in your activity feed interesting things happening. So that's the first thing you have to do is to go out there, find those Nexus people. I, I call this Nexus discovery because the Nexus to me is where everything comes together. And you can do this by just going on Twitter now and looking at who are the people with somewhat high-ish follower counts or at least a lot of engagement in each community, following them, looking at their followers, 
seeing other people that you might find interesting, following them, doing some kind of recursion or looking at Twitter lists that those people are on and following the whole list. There are many, many different ways of exposing yourself to all these, these conversations. And then you just set notifications for the people you find most interesting and you get actual engagement notifications so you can jump right into a conversation when it happens. If, if you do only one thing, this is what you should do. Follow the right people and then just interact with them. And I think something you're you're sort of saying here is also that it's you find that nexus person for example and it's not just about replying to that nexus person and trying to get them to follow you or reply to you which you sort of alluded to the reply guy right it's actually going in there and sort of productively having the conversation with the people who are already in those mentions like who are already replying to the conversation so not necessarily you know replying to your tweet for example and trying to get a reply from you though you will probably reply because you are you but like (laughs) you know seeing like oh here's these 20 other people who are following this conversation and they have interesting things to say and then you know having adding a question or adding a nice comment to that and I guess I think a mistake I tend to see is that people will like be critical because I think there's some like there's a space for being critical, but mm-hmm. you know, some people are socialized in environments where you show your worth and add value by being negative or critical. Mm-hmm. And I I don't I'm curious to hear your perspective on this. Like I find that, you know, negativity or like criticism on Twitter is really, really tricky and I tend to avoid it entirely. Uh, me too. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Sorry for interrupting. Do you do you have anything else? To no, do? that was my question. Was okay. <laughs> sort of like what was your take on, you know, should people reply with something critical if they're trying to engage with other people? So anything you do on Twitter is is a performance. That that is one of the the main things that I that I have also understood. Like even if you're just doing it in front of twenty or thirty people, a public reply to a public tweet by somebody else, gets seen by three different entities. That is you, obviously, because you're part of it, the person that you reply to, and then everybody else who ever gets to read it. And some people forget that this group of potentially millions of people exists out there, and every single one of them will judge you for what you say. So you always have to consider that you are interacting with another public persona of a group of people that are listening and are judgmental in ways that you might not understand, might not comprehend. You already mentioned the fact that people are brought up in different ways. I personally was brought up in a in a pretty neutral way. Like it, to me, it was fine to criticize, but you should always kind of see both sides, right? There was kind of the devil's advocate situation that I was socialized into. That is okay to do if you announce that you're doing it. So I now live with a Canadian and here this straight up devil's advocate perspective is not much appreciated. So I have to kind of stop myself from going there, even though it's something that I often do and like to do because it's interesting in an intellectual way. It, in our conversations in our home, it is not much appreciated. And I, it's fine because we talk about it and we figure it out. But on Twitter, you don't get to talk about this for two reasons. First off, the people who are listening, they don't talk to you. They don't interact with you. They just read. They are the lurkers, right? The potentially millions of people that are reading this public uh, interaction that you're having with somebody else, they don't tell you what they think. They just judge you. And second, in the medium of text, there is no subtext. There is no nuance. There is no like hidden subtlety. Text is text and everybody interprets that text the way they read it. So 
that is something that is incredibly hard to pull off if you want to be critical. So I would never be just critical. I would always either preface it with devil's advocate or whatever you, you can do to make sure that people understand that this is not criticality. This is not like an ad hominem situation where you attack the person, but you just want to talk about the argument. But honestly, I don't do this at all. I, I think I'm like you. I want Twitter to be an empowering and positive space. And everything that I add to a conversation will is supposed to be positive and helping other people, which is the, the other side of doing this as a performance. So it's a performative act because you want to help other people. If that that is my the reason why I go to Twitter, one of my core values is empowerment, is helping other people become better at whatever they want to do. So if that is why I'm there, then every single thing I do should at least a little bit have that as its goal. So just crushing somebody's dream or negating somebody's opinion will not do this, right? It's, it's going to lead to the opposite. It's going to be a, a disempowerment effect. So I don't want to do that. And that is why I publicly don't do this. I don't do it privately either. If there's something that is flat out wrong, I will still try to always see the other person as somebody who is still worth being friendly to and just kind to like showing them my perspective without pushing it towards them or onto them. And, and that's how I go about this. So, and, and if you're trying to build an audience, if you're trying to build a following of kind people, of friendly people, people like you or people who you want to be like you, well, then don't be aggressive towards them. Don't be critical towards them. Just give them the, the room to, to be themselves and to have their own opinions and respect them for that. It's really all I can say to this. So yeah, I, I would definitely just caution anybody out there to be critical because Twitter is about like helping other people succeed, right? And cr critical stuff rarely ever does it because it gets misinterpreted. I think that idea that, you know, sort of everything on Twitter is a performance that people will be judging you and interpreting it differently than you may be hoping for. I think that's what freaks people out about it. Yeah. I, I I can see that the thing is it's not like you, you, that, that's the the one thing about Twitter that once you once you live with it for a little bit you get used to it you're always both on a stage and you're on a couch at the same time you're on a couch with your buddies like the four or five friends that you have in in any given conversation on Twitter you you kind of you, you know exchanging little things with them and you're having a nice conversation and at the same time you're on a stage in front of millions potentially. Right, because it just takes one viral tweet for the thing to be exposed to literally millions of people, and you always have to live with the fact that you're doing both at the same time, and you don't know which is currently happening. It's tough because that's just what a public medium like Twitter does. Like Facebook is is kind of different. If you're doing something in a Facebook group, it usually st stays in the Facebook group or on a, in a forum. Right, it stays in this little community. But Twitter has this potential of of this breakout effect where you get out of your community and you, you're exposed to the whole world for good or for bad, that makes this such a weird balance to think about. Honestly, everything you do in marketing is performative to begin with. And, and Twitter is marketing yourself, marketing your personal brand. You're doing something intentionally. You're sharing something because you want people to buy it, or you're sharing something because you want people to donate to a charity, or you just want to grow their awareness of you as a brand or as a person or your project. Whatever the reason is you're on Twitter, you're doing it for to reach a certain goal. So any step along the way is an intentional, tactical, or strategic implementation of action towards that goal. 
that makes it performative to begin with because you're doing it in front of an audience that you want to use in a certain way or you want people to react to you in a certain way. I, I can understand how introverts, and I consider myself one, it may not sound like it, but I kind of feel like one and I always felt like one, have a lot of trouble with. And I'm only this outspoken about everything that I'm doing because I've been speaking about it for years. Like in the beginning, I was also kind of shy. I didn't know what to say and how to phrase it. And this is my second language. So, you know, that's a whole other level on top of it. But, you know, like if you care about something and you surround yourself with the right people and I count you as one of these people for me, like you are an amazing person that is extremely kind and supportive and you're the tide that lifts all the boats in our community as well. Well, how could I not want to talk to you? How could I not want to share things with you, right? That's why I'm doing this because I've surrounded myself with wonderful people that have the same goals that I have, which is making the internet economy a thing for people to explore, being a creator, being a writer, being a SaaS entrepreneur, whatever it is, making this a possibility for more people. And if that is my goal, I can live with the fact that people are watching. In fact, I embrace that and I try to be as authentically me as possible while knowing that there is like 50,000 people listening to everything I'm saying. It's, it's, it's a super hard balance to strike and it, it definitely takes some reflecting. But once you understand it, once you accept it, you can use it for good. That's my perspective on this. You are incredibly kind, Arvid. You know, it strikes me that I've said how um, I think the reason why I was able to write a book about interviewing users and about active listening is because I really had to learn it myself. I had to really get comfortable with it at a level that most people don't. And it strikes me that perhaps you as an introvert, you know, had to learn marketing, had to learn this performance side of it, and had to learn how, you know, Twitter is about relationships and it's a sort of coffee shop bulletin board, so to speak. Mm. Like it strikes me that because you're an introvert, you had to learn all of these particularities sort of about how the ecosystem of Twitter works because it did not come naturally to you. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how, like, I, I think of my example person with 15 followers and their side project they're listening to this and thinking oh my god the whole thing is a performance and people are going to judge me and I could go viral and I have to reply to these famous people but I actually don't reply to them I reply to the other people mm -hmm. and then somehow all of this is going to get me customers for my side project and like where am I going to spend all this time replying to people I already have a job and I have a family and I don't have very much time shouldn't I just be building features instead and oh, and by the way, I could accidentally criticize someone and then go viral and then everyone hates me like, no. And so it kind of strikes me as emotionally. What was the transition for you getting comfortable with the idea of like of putting yourself out there more and having these conversations? Hmm. I'm trying not to be too too sarcastic here. But the, the first thing that came to my mind just now was, well, I noticed that nobody cared. That's kind of my first experience was nobody cared. Nobody cared about the things I said in the beginning. And and still to this day, nobody really seems to care about the mistakes I make. Let me just like rephrase that into uh, more relative uh, terms. When I launched my course, my Twitter course, the launch tweet, I had a typo in it. And I, I just noticed that like 30 seconds after I tweeted it out, and I was like, oh, no, I have a typo in my launch tweet. People are going to see this forever. And I was 
just about to delete the tweet when I got a notification on my phone that the first person had bought my course. <laughs> I couldn't even delete my launch tweet fast enough for people to not care about my typo and still buy and purchase my info product. I've had these moments so often where I thought, oh no, this is the worst. I made a mistake and nobody noticed it. And people only really cared about the thing that actually gave them something of value. Right. I, I let it just stay on. It's still in my pinned tweet. Like there's a quotation mark in the wrong place. It's really not a problem. Nobody really sees that and nobody cares about it. People care about the thing that I help them with, not my own insecurities about how I phrased it. Right. That's that's kind of one of the things that I noticed very quickly. And that is an, a, a recent example. But forever on Twitter that, that I started writing in public and, and launching my blog posts and stuff, the people who cared about it in a way that I, I could actually help them in their lives. They cared about the important stuff. They cared about the stuff that actually impacted them. They didn't care about my shortcomings, my imposter syndrome, my nervousness or whatever. They just don't care about it because if everybody on this planet cares about one person, and that's mostly themselves. And once you understand that people don't care about what you care about, unless you are actively preventing them from reaching their goals. <laughs> really what it is. You can do almost anything. You can experiment with your stuff. You can tweet about things that you find interesting. Look at if it creates resonance with people. You can give people positive or critical responses, whatever it is. People won't really care until you step too far and you will learn this, which is why starting with these kind of experiments when you don't have many followers is actually the best thing you can do because then you're not exposed to hundreds of thousands of people. You're just exposed to 20. And if you say something that nobody cares about, well, you will see because none of those people will react to it. Say something that like three or four care about, then you got a hit. And then you can learn from that and write more like that, right? It's like really people will give you a lot of leeway if you're just friendly with them, if you're kind to them, if you support them in what they are doing, you can almost do anything and it won't create these kind of nightmare scenarios. And yeah, it's the same. Like in my course, I I, I totally misattribute a book title to another um, author. In the course, I say that Derek Sivers wrote Start With Why, which you obviously didn't. That was Simon Sinek. But I, I just mixed it up during a recording. My brain went in, into a, a, a weird state and I, I said the wrong name. And and it took people, it, it took like a hundred or something students to actually start the course to, for one to figure this out. And like the other 99 didn't care. <laughs> they care more about what the course can actually teach them than the little mistake that I made while recording it. So if that can happen at that scale, you tweeting something weird, that will also be fine. And the thing is about Twitter, even though it's performative, and if you're an introvert, that already is hard to talk to people. But you can always consider Twitter a place where you find friends. You're making friends. You're finding people just like yourself, and you're just exchanging stuff that you both find interesting. It's like a, yeah, a meetup. You know, where you go, you don't really know the people, but you know they have this exact same interest because you're both going to the JavaScript meetup. Well, I guess everybody here likes JavaScript, right? So it's the same on Twitter. If you find those people, those Nexus people that have the same interest as you have, well, their audience will have the exact same interest. So whenever you interact with the, let's stay with uh, JavaScript engineering, you uh, interact with somebody who's big in the JavaScript community and you interact with their tweets, you're now exposed to this audience of other people who also love JavaScript or 
love-hate JavaScript. That's maybe not the perfect example. But, you know, you're exposing yourself to an audience of at least intersecting interest. And that's where this audience audition concept comes in that I kind of hinted at earlier, right? You, you, you're not interacting with the JavaScript influencer. You don't want them to follow you. You want their audience to follow you because they have 40,000 people that are following them. You want a couple of those people to be interested in you. That's why you interact with the influencer stuff, not to get the influencer's attention, but to get the attention of the pre-filtered audience audience that they have that is already really compatible with you and if you consider twitter making friends with other people who are like you then it's so much easier it's so much more enjoyable too because then it becomes more of the couch and less of the stage right you you, you always have to at some point consider that you are on a stage but that really only happens when you have a couple thousand followers anything below that most people will recognize you as one of them Right. There is no big exposure. It's it's not that you are one of those huge accounts that everybody wants to follow. You're just a person interacting with other people and making friends is very easy at that point. And if you consider every interaction that you have as a potential of making friends, then you will also speak to people differently. Because if you want to make a friend, you don't go there and tell them about your product. Right? Imagine that if, if that was how we made friends. Like you go to a person at a party and you tell them, hey, I have this cool product. It's only $10. Want to buy it? N nobody does that. Because that's not how you build a relationship with a person. You go there, ask them, hey, how are you doing? What do you do? Like, what do you find interesting? How do you know the host? Like, you ask them about themselves. You ask them to tell them more about you so you can tell about yourself and, and build like on common ground. That's how you do this in, in, in real life. Why wouldn't you do it on Twitter? Why would you post stuff? Why would you put links to your newsletter as the very first thing you do when you interact with a new person? That's not how you do it. You make friends on Twitter. And once you understand that, it becomes so much easier and so much less scary. Twitter, it's the place to find friends, right? I feel like, wasn't that the tagline, the, the place for friends? Wasn't that like Facebook or MySpace, maybe their tagline, right? It was like, <laughs> I think maybe. We're kind of dating ourselves. <laughs> hey, MySpace taught me how to code, so. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I, I think I did a couple of cool backgrounds back then as well. <laughs> I, but so, you know, if you want to grow your following on Twitter, if you're on Twitter because you want people to buy your stuff or, you know, accept your conference pitches or, or whatever they are, be a friend. Don't be yeah. somebody standing with a megaphone on a soapbox, you know, interact with people and be a real person and be a pleasant person at the party, so to speak. That's where yeah. opportunity comes from, right? It's not from them buying your ebook for $10. It's from them remembering you when a, another gigantic project comes up and they need somebody to, to do copyright or when a potential partnership is, is in the making and they wonder what would be the best person to partner with. Those are the opportunities you're seeking, not the $10 from one interaction. That's the transactional nature of sales and marketing that is so incompatible with relationship building. It's relationships. Like build relationships on Twitter. I feel like I heard someone say once that Twitter is the product that LinkedIn wanted to build. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and that's because Twitter allows people to use Twitter however they want to. Like LinkedIn is very prescriptive in the way you interact with uh, each other. Just look at how people are even allowed to connect, right? You have to allow people to connect with you. And the moment you got some notoriety on LinkedIn, people have to dig really deep to connect with you and bring up a reason to do it, have to link like, oh, I went to the same school as them for some, for some reason. That is why you want to allow people to interact with other people. The social graph on LinkedIn is so selective and so hard to establish while on Twitter, 
you, you don't even need to follow an account to get their information. You could just follow a list with where they where they are on, or you just follow a person that consistently retweets from that account, and you get exposed to new people. Twitter is just so much of a, of a free space that people can use in any shape they want, and obviously that creates so much more opportunity because it allows for serendipity. LinkedIn does not allow for serendipity. It allows for really, really targeted interactions. But on Twitter, anything can happen, for good or bad, right? You have the the whole shitstorm situation. And I, I guess, is there a, a, an opposite of a shitstorm, like a windfall? A love storm? <laughs> a I don't love know. <laughs> yeah, but where people all of a sudden get empowered and exposed to an audience of millions and their life changes in a day, right? You have that too. And it's, it's one of the most wonderful things to see when people have so much success that they're, they're just swept into a new level of existence just from a tweet. I, I just find that wonderful. And often it's cute animals and stuff, but you know, there are still also people who do meaningful things that have impact that now get exposed to a so much larger audience and have so much more impact for the good. That is what Twitter allows you to do. And obviously that is, in, in my eyes, the, for somebody who has empowerment and support and motivation as my core values, th that is the product for me. I could not do what I'm doing on LinkedIn, but I can definitely do it on Twitter. And I, I'm really grateful for that. Twitter is an incredibly um, powerful platform. And this year has been a very powerful mini masterclass in <laughs> using Twitter effectively. Thank you so much for coming on today. If people want to well, I mean, where can people find you? Okay. Well, this will surprise you, but they can find me on Twitter. <laughs> well, yeah, that's obviously the, the jump off point for everything I'm doing. I'm on Twitter at Arvid Karl, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. And I have a blog too. It's called The Bootstrap Founder, which is, you know, like where I write all my, my weekly blog posts and I have a podcast there as well. And all my books and stuff are linked there. But honestly, just really interact with me on Twitter because that's what I like most because that, that you, that's how you build a relationship with me by coming to Twitter and talking to me. And I want that because I want to talk to you, dear listener, honestly, because I, I think I can learn from every person out there and I hope that I can teach something to any person out there a little bit at least. So yeah, find me on Twitter. My DMs are open. And that is something interesting when you have 50,000 followers, but I will still try and respond to every single DM. And yeah, that's where you can find me. And that's where I would like you to meet me. Well, Arvid, I will see you and everybody else around on Twitter. Thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality, Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from The Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outsetta, Justin Jackson, Megamaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from ConsentKit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, 
Proud Mama from Oppelnout LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Kanbini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.